an excerpt from Oh No by Marina and the Diamonds. One track mind, one track heart. If I fail, I'll fall apart. I feel like I'm the worst, so I always act like I'm the best. I know exactly what I want and who I want to be. I know exactly why I walk and talk like a machine. I'm now becoming my own self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no. Rasm frazzin, rig raggin, while I immediately wake up from my nap and pull off my sleep mask and go and look outside and start shaking my fist. And then I look at what night looks like now and I realize what that means and I start shaking my fist even harder. I need to check on my son, Billy. So I'm gonna... Okay, so you're sneaking over to beyond. Yeah, that sounds good. Make my stealth way that way. Uh, permission, uh, Captain? Permission to blow to Gibbets out of the air? Permission granted. Alright, I'm gonna load up the tank. We see the camera slows down as time basically freezes for a moment as you work your spell. And the bullet grows to massive sizes, like a huge bullet bill. Radical, yeah. But with a bunch of, like, weird holes stitched out of it. Oh, that are just, like, perfectly shaped for all the books that are in midair yes, currently? Oh my god, that's no, beautiful. perfectly shaped like the bookshelves, basically. Oh, that's beautiful. And it slams through Fliberty Gibbets, hitting everything except the books and the bookshelves. So Gislin uh, survives because they have a giant shield arm. <laughs> Air temperature starts to drop. It is... It is snowing. Very suddenly. Hello, Harbinger. Okay, I know exactly what I want to do. As Aurora Alice appears in front of you. Yeah, I know exactly what I want to do. To save everybody else. To my faded nemesis that we will kill each other someday, I am just going to do like a real jaunty, sarcastic salute. And then gesture at the last bridge behind Aurorealis and blast it apart with enough force to send these three pods away from the other main body. That makes sense. Oh, that was very brave, Harbinger. Harbinger, Harbinger. We made a promise. She's going to offer you a quick death if you refuse. Roll plus courage. Well, I'm certainly not going to accept that, so I suppose I'll have to roll plus courage, except it's damaged. Alright, so that's an 8. Uh, you get one good chance to spite her first. Cool, I reach into my pocket and crush the lantern that her weakness is in, spreading fire everywhere. She lunges forward, her arm of snow wraps around you, and you start to freeze. But then it properly burns her. Ha ha ha. And she feels pain for the first time in a very long time. She cannot scatter through the air here because there is no safe place to scatter to. It's thick with choking ash and oppressive heat. Goodbye, Aurorealis. Everyone else hears your telepathic scream. And then silence. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to Six Feet Under. The last we saw of Harbinger, you made a terrible sacrifice. Aurorealis, who Fire forgot, had appeared before you, threatened to kill everyone you knew, and you separated her from them. You trapped yourself with her in a burning warehouse hurtling through the sky like a meteor. You set yourself on fire, you set her on fire. You trapped yourself with a woman who had magically promised to murder you. Look, I don't take half measures, okay? Oh no, you went all the way here. <laughs> all the way to hell. And so did she. Her arms became blades, her fingers spears of ice, and she tore you apart before your eyes. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> the last thing you remember before you blacked out is Yuria leaping on top of Aurorealis. While you were heavily wounded inside a burning blimp hurtling through the sky in a random direction. <sighs> that was a hell of a day. Yeah, it was not great. I think a good last thing for Harbinger to see would be, like, trying to reach out to help Yuria in some way, but nah. Nah. They're gone. Yeah. They're out. And you try to lift up an arm, and you can't. You don't have the strength. 
Or possibly an arm. Or an uh, Yeah, that's also possible. It might be real bad. Man, how good would that be in the animated movie version of this? Like, for the entire first act of the movie, Harbinger is just, like, in the stupid cloak and only has the one stupid arm out, and then it gets cut off. And it's like, damn, now I see why you didn't take the other limbs out of your clothes. They would have gotten cut off way earlier, probably. So Harbinger had a bad day. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to make light of it, trying to stay positive, but I do think I am dead. I am unconscious. Here come visions. Yeah, if you want to describe your vision before you wake up, that sounds fun. Yeah, I think... I think there is literally no better time for Harbinger to relive their one true prophecy. That is to say, at one point in the past, they had... A waking dream, a waking nightmare, a horrible vision of the future, and they know it's going to come true. Uh, all their other fascination and prognostication and the stars and the cards is less, let's say, less successful than their one original vision, so they're probably a little sensitive about that, and what's, you know, I never brought it up before. And that vision was a very simple one. It's the grisly death of Pan under a starless sky and a blue moon. Do you have any uh, details about the method of his death there, or...? I don't know if... I don't. It might not even be, like, a vision that has visuals. It might just be a vision that has feelings, if that makes sense. It might just be... Sure. The feeling of a grisly death, the feeling of a million icicles pouring out of your eyes or something. And I know that's going to happen to Pan someday, and that is something that I have never been able to bring myself to tell him. Well, as you're reliving this vision, it gets to the end. The, the feeling of icicles pouring out of your eyes. And then you wake up. <sighs> the world around you is foggy, and you have difficulty focusing on anything. Uh, well, I, lost, I must have landed in the fog ocean, but that's okay. We can overcome this. Yeah. Surprisingly, you don't hurt. Oh, you well, feel that's very a... cold and numb, which is probably that, worse. That that makes sense, honestly. Yeah, that's that's bad. <sighs> but standing over you is someone you've met before. Oh, someone you've met very recently. Um, they're blurry and desaturated in your adult vision, but you can still clearly who they are. There aren't many stone-skinned, 20-foot-tall, red-eyed gorillas in the world. And Harvey just, like, blinks blearily up at them and is like, Oh, it was so nice of you to follow me into the fog ocean to rescue me. I didn't. You came to me. Uh, oh. Maybe now is a good time to look for my arm. Yeah, uh... Well, you look down and it seems to be there. Huh. Damn, I guess I came through this better than I thought then. Yeah. How How's it looking? <laughs> How do you want to set this part up? Let's just start from here. Harbinger, you're extremely dead. Oh. That makes more sense. And you're looking at your ghost, and I'm not sure what that looks like. Well... I think what Harvey has always wanted, their soul, their pure essence to be, is probably... Well, I don't know if they have all the details figured out, so for the most part, it's probably generally just a shape of light in the world or in the wherever the fuck this fog is. It's more feminine, let's say, than the body that Harvey was given at birth. Um, let's see. The fingers come to, like, sharp needle points. There's the slight sensation of a blur around the outline of their form as if it's formed by... Something constantly shifting and writhing, and if you look too closely, it might look a little like a, a boiling pot of worms or tentacles or something like that. Cool. Thank you. So, like, like the common conception of, like, a shadow, but made of light. Yeah, that's a good... Yeah. And a not shade. Yeah. And everything but shade, that's me. An anti-shade. See, how I was picturing it in my head, it was like a hollow glass body filled with, like, filled with shadow. That's pretty good, too. 
So like all the shadow bits like press up against the edges of the glass and move around and swirl around in it. But the but the glass itself has been glowing. Yeah. Like lights reflecting off it and everything like that. <sighs> oh, I just thought of something fucking great for this. Ready? You ready for the fucking alley-oop? Yes. Uh, the glass body is a lot more masculine shaped than the light body inside. There you go. There you go. Happy to help. Thank you. Dang. Well, Red Eyes is going to help pick you up. Oh, well, that's nice. And then point you towards the wreckage behind you. Wow. Of three pumpkin pods. Bummer. One of which is eternally on fire. Oh. Yeah. Look. You know, I don't actually have an excuse. I'm just going to sit here. Yeah. Well, Titania, you haven't landed in the fog ocean, unfortunately for both of us. You've landed in a forbidden place. You're not supposed to be here. You know, I've actually gotten that feeling everywhere I've ever been my entire life. So I don't care. Why don't you tell me about this wonderful place where I can't see anything and I'm dead? <laughs> you have infiltrated the gathering, and I can't let you enter. Well, I mean, I'm dead, so I feel as though I'm not going to have much care either way about entering or not on the little gathering. Maybe you could just, like, prepare a little doggy bag of, like, those little sausages and a slice of cake, maybe, and I'll be on my way? Well, yes, that does seem fine. You see, uh... Titania, what is that? What? It's been it's been sitting there this whole time, and he points at this little thing behind you, and as you turn, it stays behind you. Oh. Well, you know, it's symbolism, I guess. Is, is it still behind me? It's it's like hovering by your shoulders. And as you focus, you can actually start to hear like a little gibbering, like an noises. Is that your stomach? You should get to the party. You know, I know that you don't want me around, so it's a little weird that you're like doing this weird joke now. I I don't okay. Listen. If you'd like, you can leave. The exit is this way. I can't let you enter the gathering. Just take your little spirit thing with you as you go. You know, now that I think about it, the more you say that, the more I want to get into that gathering. You know how those things go. You know, I'm a ghost. I don't know if you can actually do anything to me, so I might just go by you? And he grabs you with a large hand and presses you against the ground. Oh, right, you picked me up. Right, 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 right. You know, the problem with being a priest of the flesh, or a priestess of the flesh, as it were, is that all your powers are left with the flesh. Columnist, your powers have little hold here. That's what I just said. They're now with the that flesh. you are a creature entirely of veil. That's what I said. You're not listening to me, or talking over me, or telling me things I just told you. Let me go to the gathering, okay? You are not welcome there. You are not halfling. I'm half of something and half of something else, aren't I? And I knock on my own glass chest and indicate the light body inside. You were fully flesh. You are now fully veil. Oh, rad. And actually, now that you're focusing on the world around you a little bit and less less groggy, less foggy. The world's still really foggy around you, though, because you're in the gathering, which is a veil place. Am I less foggy? You feel less foggy. Oh, good. That's like all you can really hope for in the world. Yeah. But you also realize that, like, you feel way closer to your magic than you ever felt while alive. Huh. It That's feels interesting. like it, it should be effortless to just reach out and make things happen. Which comes with the concern that it might be effortless to just have things happen. Well, I think it's going to, like, happen unconsciously. Is that the implication here? Yeah. You, you might just make a magic happen because you're used to trying so much harder for it. I like it. I have one last fucking thing to try, because if there's one thing I love, it's being a smartass. So I'm all of the veil, correct? Uh, yeah, you are entirely a creature of the veil now. I'm asking that to Gorilla Boy. Yes. 
Um, okay, then I'll, I'll continue that. You are entirely a creature of the veil now, and it's a mm. miracle you haven't passed on. Most of your kind just fade away into the veil, but you have a strong will that lingers. I assume you have some sort of purpose or mission, but it will have to happen outside the gathering. A word? Then explain this, and I like point over my shoulder, like the wrong shoulder at the thing <laughs> that is apparently half infused to my soul at the moment. Uh, <laughs> you point over the wrong shoulder. Yeah, of course. I mean, and now the thing steps in front of you for the first time because ah. you're on the ground, actually, and it's like it, there's no behind you to get. Oh, hey. <laughs> oh. And you see like a little goblin thing oh. with like a very large toothy grin. And it's made of darkness, and it has no eyes. Oh. Aren't you aren't you a sweet little thing? I'm going to reach out and pat its head. It gibbers at you. Hmm. Is the gorilla sufficiently distracted by it? Not particularly. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. A ghost tentacle, I think, is going to try to knock him out of the way anyway. Okay. <laughs> That was like my that was my final card in my final hand, except for all the effortless magic, but you know. Yeah, let's roll to get away. Oh yeah, rolling. That's a thing that you do in the video game. It is a thing. Is running away grace or I assume it must be, right? Or It is grace. Okay, cool. I have a plus one grace here. I go. Alright, that's a six. That's bad. That is pretty bad. Cool, so I can start immediately using over magic. Oh, great. So you attempt to smack him aside with a single ghost tentacle, and you see the entire fog world around you become tentacles, and wrap around red eyes, and lift him into the air, and he, and they wrap around you also, and also the little goblin, and you're all grabbed in this huge cocoon of fog tentacle. Neat. Well, I mean, look... <laughs> Here's here's the perspective that Harvey is operating from this morning. I'm dead. Literally nothing can get worse. That's a pretty good perspective. Yeah, there's there's not a lot worse it can get. Alright, so that that I just like look over at Red Eyes and just like laugh, like, oh, the situations we get to in our magical world of ours. He rolls his eyes at you. Okay, let's see. What's the fastest way? Let's see. Now, the thing about ghost tentacles that you summon is they probably don't want to let go of you. Therefore, I don't need to ask them to let go of me. I'm going to ask them to just carry me over to the gathering. Maybe, even as, as I struggle to get a handle on my new and incredible and awesome and wonderful powers, maybe that'll be a nice smaller adjustment. Or maybe I'll get my ass thrown over there and I'll fall on my face. Okay, so as you're saying this stuff, like thinking it out and planning it out, it's already happening. Oh, radical. So that whole time you were talking, it was carrying you over until the end of it. But what if it just throws me and then it does? Oh, that's fuck. That's so fucking good. Also, I imagine this scene from Red Eye's perspective that's just like Harvey, nay, Titania muttering to themselves, just like slowly drifting away as they're just stuck in midair rolling their eyes like fucking magic shit. <laughs> <laughs> columnist garbage trash heap fuckhead they only curse when they're alone that's a fact about red 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 eyes that i just invented okay seconded thank you you have arrived at the halfling gathering oh and so elegantly do i land on my face or on my ass let's see your face okay great and you find yourself around a large hole in the ground did i make it <laughs> No, 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 no. This is a massive pit that seems oh, to I'm have in front. Okay. magical seals over it. There's a wall of light, and below that you see a wall of, like, green energy and then blue energy, and they're, like, layered down. Ooh, radical. I just, like, crawl over to the edge of the pit and look down there, because, like, end of the day, Harvey just thinks magic is pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And also there's about 30, maybe 40 halflings around the edge of this pit. Okay, good. I'm so glad I didn't notice them until after I was done looking at the magic for a while. <laughs> so then this fucking glass idiot just looks up like, uh, oh, hey. And then Red Eyes is still right behind you, and upset, but like, 
he's kind of just going with it at this point. <laughs> he's resigned to his fate. That's good. Yeah. That's good. It's like, okay, at any point I can pick you up and throw you out, but for now, whatever. Oh yeah, well likewise, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll more likely than not also throw myself out, but you know. So be it. So be it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, hello, everyone. My name is, uh... And at this point, Harvey stops for a second. And they think about all the names they've had in their life. And about how they didn't decide any of them. And how Titania, that little throwaway name just for a quick lie to poor old Red Eyes. It's kind of the first time they named themselves. So they open their mouth to introduce themselves and hesitate a little bit and then lick their lips and smile. Except it's glass, so it just looks like they lick, lick their lips and smile, I suppose. And they introduce themselves as Rue Titania. That's a great name. Thank you. Says the harpy halfling to your left. <laughs> oh, hello. Thank you. Thank you. What's your name? I go by Velvet. Oh, that's also a lovely name. Thank you. Handshake, handshake. Handshakes all around. Handshakes all around. Okay, I know I, I realize that I can't just say this because this is like charisma checks and whatever, but I just had like a really funny mental image of like every single halfling except for Red Eyes being really like, oh yeah, they seem nice about yeah. Titania. I mean, to be fair, you're not that different. And I realize that that can go wrong at any moment next time I roll a six, but you know. Yeah. It's just a nice, funny mental image. Maybe I'll just act super nice and polite and reserved to absolutely everybody, and Red Eyes is just like, fucking, come on. Come on. <laughs> pretty much. This is, like, pretty much the opposite characterization of Red Eyes when we actually met him. I mean, he's pretty much exactly what I thought, but... <laughs> he's very dedicated to his job, okay? <laughs> Look, sometimes you meet people who are just like, if a soulmate is someone who resonates with your soul on a positive frequency, then whatever the fuck Harbinger is doing is the opposite, and is just perfectly calculated to bring out the worst in Red Eyes, apparently, and for that I apologize. But also, I don't know what Joey expected, but the original characterization was that Red Eyes was gentle and a protector, and those are both still true. He's just very severe true. about it. Yeah, um, it's just, it's just his day off. He's taking a break. Well, no, it, this is still his job, actually. He's still the bouncer at the gathering. Sorry, buddy. No day off for you, huh? I reach up and, like, pat his elbow. That's the only part I can reach. Yeah, he's much bigger than you. Yeah, I know. You don't have to keep fucking telling me. Jeez. So who else is at this <laughs> lovely gathering as I gravitate over to the snack table? Because wouldn't you know it, being killed is hungry work. It is. And you find the snack table is stocked with whatever food you're thinking about. Because you also conjured the snack table in existence by thinking of it and looking for it. Ah, uh, here we have a big bowl of the sensation of satisfaction. And I'm full. So that was easy. It's just fruit punch. <laughs> that, you know what, that's actually totally fair. That could be flavor text in Undertale, holy shit. <laughs> So Harvey kind of stops mid-sentence and, like, pokes at their own forehead with a sudden realization of, Oh, I died. And then they kind of search around a little bit, looking for, hoping for a mirror. Maybe there's, you know, a bathroom or something in the veil? Probably not. Okay. Actually, when you reach up there, you feel the snowflake mark. And you also feel that it's empty. It has been drained of power. The promise has been fulfilled. Fascinating. So, nothing but a hollow shell remains. How appropriate. I'm gonna loiter- I'm gonna loiter- I'm gonna loiter by the snack table for a little bit if you want to kick off some other non-Harvey plots sure. while I, like, reflect on the fact that I'm dead. Yeah. yeah, you seem to be taking it pretty well. Oh, I am freaking out. Joey, do you want to describe the, the gathering any? I mean, you know what the gathering is, so you know what? I'm going to leave it to you. I want to be surprised, too. Okay. Well, the gathering takes place in the Fog Wall, a small section of Fog Ocean that's in the middle of the desert for no explicable reason. 
It's just like escape from the fog ocean. But how that manifests in here is as Harvey is looking around and enjoying the snacks, they basically see a giant dome of fog. Like the sky is covered with fog. You cannot see it. But within here, it seems to be mostly flat. There, it's a little bit hilly, it's a little bit bumpy ground. And other than the giant hole in the ground full of magical seals, it's pretty empty here. But that's rapidly changing. As, while there are many halflings here, each of them are kind of adapting part of the area to their habitat. So the area around Velvet, where you were just looking at the pit, is actually... Like, wood floored, and there's railings around it, around, including around the edge of the pit, and it's kind of like, kind of like a pirate ship aesthetic. Oh, you see, I pictured a small pirate ship rising out the ground. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. It's like half of a pirate ship rising out of the ground, but it's also level with the ground, so it's just like, it's just the main deck of the pirate ship. Neat. And over on the other side, there is a small sea of fire around a little turtle man with a nice coat, a Hawaiian shirt-style coat, and there's a bunch of other stuff, just a bunch of natural terrain. So there's a forest over there by Flapjack, there is some stuff rising out of the ground, like little mountains, little rivers, little lakes, and halflings of a kind seem to stick together. So there's a couple forest halflings around Flapjack, Velvet has two or three pirate halflings around her. Uh, there's there's only two fire halflings that you can see. There's a few mountain ones. And they're kind of situated together to keep their terrain under control. And there's some gossip around. People are talking. And the main thing you're getting is that the gathering will start as soon as Utopia arrives. Which is a name you actually recognize, Harbinger. Oh yeah, my ears perk up over at the snack table, which is apparently just one bowl of fruit punch. Yeah, but it's really good fruit punch. Yeah, it's so good. It's like just fruit punch, but there's also like little finger sandwiches, because you thought some finger sandwiches should be here, but you don't actually want any. <laughs> but the finger sandwiches are, are also definitely just like white bread and mayonnaise as a reflection of the fact that Harbinger super doesn't want any. Yeah, exactly. It's, I feel it's like pretty much that. I think the snack table actually might be a fucking great way to represent Harvey's actual state of mind as compared to acting natural hey whatever i'm dead <laughs> like this okay think of it this way the snack table is pretty much empty except for one bowl of fruit punch and some sandwiches so for one thing they're having a little trouble kickstarting their imagination so as future developments happen i guess things will happen to the snack table now that i've staked out my own area i like this metaphor it's very good yeah, so Utopia is a figure in columnist mythology, so you recognize her name. Utopia. She has gone by many names and titles. Oh, same. Cool. Yeah. We're gonna be best friends. No, you're not. <laughs> both of you command lore about this topic better than I do, because she is relevant to both of your societies in a major way. Oh, radical. I don't know how, but I'm sure I'll figure yeah. it out. So feel free to interrupt and correct me at any time. But, uh, in columnist mythology, Utopia is the one who sealed away the flesh god oof. in the sunless sea. Oh, oof. Have we even talked about the flesh god on this fucking podcast yet? I don't remember. Not that's... yet at all. Oh, okay, <laughs> well, it's... Okay, well, I just clipped really badly there, so I'm sorry about that. I get... You talked about the flesh god. What am I gonna do? Not like royal in fucking divine rapturous delight. That's what clerics of flesh gods do. Oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so let me just briefly aside. The flesh god is the source of you know I have a tentacle beast and there's also that wing beast and you know they're all just different types of, types of flesh and limbs and that's kind of the theme we have going on. Thanks, bye. Yep. Anyway, Nebula. I mean, Utopia. Yeah. Nebula is a different place. The the thing with Utopia is that she, according to columnist mythology, attempted to kill the Flesh God and was unable to do so, but threatened the Flesh God so badly that it created the Glass Desert to forever ward all water-based halflings away. Oh my fucking god. And that's why water cannot exist there. 
and Utopia cannot follow up in the attempt to finish the job. Oh, okay, so I guess when my ears perk up, what I really mean is I fucking start choking and somehow spill the entire punch bowl. Because <laughs> this is... Okay. It's... it's This isn't, like, actual backstory, spoiler alert, but, like, this is kind of the equivalent of, like, oh, yeah, I just showed up at a party for ghosts because I'm dead, and then Satan showed up, and also I'm a devout Christian <laughs> or something. Yeah, it's... Pretty much the Satan figure of columnist mythology is the queen of all halflings. Oh boy. To be honest, mm, I'm kind of having to improvise on the spot because I didn't know this before, so I'm thinking about how Harvey would have always treated this. And the more I think about it, like, there's probably wariness? I don't know if they totally believe all the stuff though, because before going to the Column City, Harvey was pretty book smart and knew history and timelines. And I'm sure the Landora stuff about Utopia is very different. Yeah, and like... Most of the rest of the world holds her in pretty high regard. Yeah. So I feel like Harvey is just, at this point, after spilling the punch bowl, maybe directly down the pit. I don't know what's down there yet, so... <laughs> Good. It's kind of a toss-up whether that's funny or really bad, so... It could it's... be funny. <laughs> I think it's pretty funny, personally. Okay, good, I think what's I... down there would really appreciate some fruit punch. Oh, good. Okay. It... I just had a suspicion, but I'm not going to say anything. Um, fuck, what the fuck was I saying? Oh, yeah, I'm freaked out. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. It's Thank very you. fair. It's like, oh, uh, shit, it's Satan. It's Satan, but I'm not sure if Satan is bad or the rest of the world is bad. But both Satan and the rest of the world are here, so I guess either way I'm terrified. <laughs> The way I was imagining it is that the columnists don't, like, actively hate Neptune, but they don't love her. Yeah, that makes sense. Or, they're not happy with Utopia. There's there's definitely a wariness there in the, in the talk about her, because unlike most Satan figures, we all know she exists. Yeah, you can't really be too mean. Yeah, there's <laughs> To a there's Satan so figure much... who's wandering around the world currently. Well, I guess I'll get to meet the real thing for myself. And to go into Joey's half of things, um... I get it. Utopia is the first halfling. The mother of all other halflings. She has gone by many names and titles in the past, including Neptune, Allmother, and Gaia. But these days she's Utopia. So I might slip and call her Neptune or Gaia, because... Spoilers, we've gone through a few names for her in our attempt to pin down a good one. Um, she's also the, like, queen of specifically water halflings, because she's the halfling of the fog ocean. Like, the entire thing. Yeah, she's the halfling of all water, all of it, period. And has evolved into halfling of all fog, all of it, period, as the world became more of that than water. So this is Pop-Tart's mother. Yeah. And also every other halfling's mother. With, like, one exception. Honestly, now seems like a good time for her to arrive, because I don't know what else to do right now. Because, <laughs> uh, unless you want to mingle with some halflings first. Yeah, are there any halflings you want to say hello to? Well, I'll go talk to Velvet some more. Velvet seemed nice. Velvet didn't, like, pin me to the ground. <laughs> I mean... So Velvet is a little bit shorter than you, and she is a stocky woman who has helped herself to some fruit punch. Oh, nice. And the fruit punch that she's taken from the bowl is significantly more alcoholic. Oh, nice. Now, actually, now that I realize that's an option, it might, it might kind of become that for me too, but maybe later, maybe later. Right. Man. She is a halfling of parties and an alcohol elemental. Oh, that's actually pretty interesting. Pleasure to meet you. My name's Rue Titania, as I said before, recently dead. I'm Black Velvet, and she gives you a way overdramatic bow. Nice. I'll return that. You know I'm going to return that. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dramatic bows all around, and she grabs a stiff-looking, taller half harpy halfling next to her and says, This is my, this is my girlfriend. Her Ooh. name is uh, Mudslide. Oh, pleasure to meet you. I'm Rue Titania. Gives you like a slight head tilt forward. Mm-hmm. Pleasure. I still I still do a dramatic bow, but it's like more polite. <laughs> yeah. 
It's not as fucking sarcastic drunkard. Well, not really sarcastic. More like there's it, you use a different bow to befriend someone who's currently drinking compared to someone who's currently not. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Right. There's a hint more elegance and flair to the latter. So, pleasure to meet you. This is the gathering, or so I've heard it called. I assume from all the friendly faces that I see before me that this is a gathering of all the halflings currently in the world, or some majority? Uh, maybe half at best? Okay, that makes sense, yes. Walked into that one, yes, thank you. Interesting. For various reasons, but not all of us need to, so that's fine. Well, this year you got an extra ghost on the occasion, so I guess it's half plus one. You're just replacing Pop-Tart, who's currently question mark. I mean, look, you should have brought this up way earlier, because clearly I would have been wearing a really tiny raincoat. (laughs) Just dig one of Pop-Tart's raincoats out of the wreckage? (laughs) I mean... There might have been one in there. pod is elsewhere. Also, those raincoats are like veil, probably, from what I understand. No, they're real. Oh, okay. yeah, they're real. I mean, they're probably made via veil magic, but they're real. Real as any other part of a halfling. So, what are your favorite types of raincoats, you two? <laughs> Mudslide is a storm elemental. And does not believe in raincoats. That, I'm in. Yep, I'm into it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good answer. Actually, that's well, that's actually kind of a wonderful point. Like once they say about half the halflings are here, Harbinger probably would go around starting to look for Pop Tart. Yeah, you, you I can mean, start doing that. You wander through the party. I mean, you could just yeah. ask the two halflings in front of you. Oh, but I wanted an excuse to introduce more halflings, Joey. Well, fine. <laughs> Are there any you want to introduce, or should I just go down the list of all the halflings? I've yeah, just go down the list. Throw in, throw in also, a few okay. that we Joey, let me, heard Joey, yeah, let me hi. put this in actually a much better reason for why Harvey doesn't ask either of those two. Okay. They're really hot. That's fair. They're really hot. Rue Titania is flustered and is going to go over there now. That's fair. I'm not sure if I said that out loud and or if just thought it, but if I, actually, if I just thought it, then I probably got carried away by fucking ghost tentacles yeah, again. Yeah, like, it so. probably got spelled out by fruit punch <laughs> or something. God, can you just imagine that being at a party and suddenly the fruit punch just turns into the words, you're really hot, okay, I'm going over here? <laughs> I mean... alphabet soup before your eyes. I mean, that or the finger sandwiches that nobody's going to eat anyway, but, like, people are just picking up and putting down disinterestedly are somehow forming words in that beautiful collision of chaos of everybody's hands and somehow at this point it's currently spelling out oh they're hot I'm going over there yeah (laughs) that's fine so what's over here is a pirate ship there's the forest there's the ocean sort of yeah um so there's a there's a few familiar faces around flapjack and trouble are both here oh I'm gonna go talk to flapjack hello flapjack hello trouble Hello. Do I do I know you? Oh, I guess you wouldn't this form. I used to wear a blanket a lot more. I used to wear a blanket and then I died. Were you with Yuria that one time? Yes, exactly. I was with okay. Yuria. I'm I'm a lot okay. like Yuria's hype person. <laughs> uh, I like that idea a lot because it feels like the opposite of the truth. <laughs> I mean, look, all sorts of things can happen when I, if, if I, if Harbinger suddenly realizes that it's actually a question of if they get back to their body and is suddenly very quiet and contemplative. Yeah. Um, I think this might be Flapjack's first time meeting you, though, because you stayed on the ship and napped last time. Oh, that's right. Well, and like, you know, we did spend a few days in Logdale, so it's not inconceivable that you two would have met. During the ship repairs? D&D podcasts are built on puns and retcons, okay? <laughs> so, like, you could have met Flapjack at some point, but I can't imagine it would have been more than a hello, who are you situation, you know? Well, good. We just did that again, so I guess that's all settled. So, hello, Trouble. Hello. I see you're still whatever the hell you are. Okay, I'm gonna go over here. <laughs> Fine. 
I'm gonna keep making my circuit, you know, just making <laughs> greetings, figuring out where I'm not so welcome. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Probably also avoiding like the Earth Elemental quadrant of the party where Red Eyes is sulking. Actually, Red Eyes has been no further than twenty feet behind you this whole time. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> You're still not allowed. But he's okay. also like not stopping you at this point. Okay, I'm gonna turn around and I'm gonna stare at Red Eyes, and then to stare back. I'm gonna blow him a kiss. Are you ready to leave then? No, I'm still socializing. I still have half my glass of punch. And I keep keep on with my circuit of the party. Yeah, and I think that's all of the halflings that you knew going into this. Oh, good. Time to make up some new ones on the spot. Or pull oh, ones no, from we your have some doubtlessly that... detailed notes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I have like three mo- I have like five more that are still in the notes, but three of them wouldn't be here. So, uh, one of them... As you're as you're making your circuit to the end of the forest, and you get to a patch that's just desert, you meet a Leviathan, oh, who is a bone dragon. Well, first off, that's awesome. Yeah, he's nearly as big as Red Eyes, and is basically just an animated skeleton. I'm gonna go make friends with fucking Leviathan because that's cool as hell. Uh, let's see, what would be a good role for actively trying to make friends and not just small talking? You could go with speak softly, but forge a bond you do by making memories with somebody. That's fair. Okay, I have to make something interesting happen then. Yeah. Just kidding. I probably shouldn't cause any more trouble than I've already <laughs> caused. So, Leviathan is nearly as big as Red Eyes. He's actually a little smaller, which is now weird that you're looking at this, like, King Kong versus Bone Dragon situation. Well, my vote is clearly cast. And I feel like the votes of all my previous characters is also pretty obvious. Because I'm simple. Me. And bone dragons are cool. Yes, thank you. Exactly. Hello, my name is Rue Titania, recently dead. Hello, Rue Titania! Oh, you're awesome. I mean, hello, nice to meet you. I love your enthusiasm. (laughs) Thank you. Are you here to join my dragon cult? I have no idea why I'm here. That's fair. I died... I just, like... I just, like, turn and look through the mist at, like, the smoldering, eternal wreckage. Yeah. Um, you see that Billy's still in there, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Um, hang on, I'll be right back. Take your time! How could I forget about this? I, I fucking... Can I even interact with it, though, is the question? The fire would still burn you as a ghost, because it burns everything. Oh, I, like, recoil from the fire's heat yeah. and, like, unconsciously reach for my waist for Char, and it's like, uh, wh- where's Char? Oh, well, I mean, I guess it would be with my body, but is my body in there? And then the little goblin thing jumps off your shoulder and begins eating the fire. Oh, I get it. I, like, <laughs> kneel, I kneel down next to him, but not really too close because it's still really hot and, like, pet its head with, like, one pinky because I'm, like, stretching my arm out as far as it'll possibly go to avoid the heat. Yeah. And as it eats the fire, it grows and grows. Oh, that checks out. Yeah. And it's now, like, by the time it clears the fire from the wreckage, it's... Nothing else is hurt. Everything else is intact. But you have this, like, engorged, fat, roly-poly ball with a mouth on one side. Oh, Made of shadow. Pick, pick up this shadow ball in my arms and cuddle it gently. That could totally be a replacement for Pop-Top. <laughs> no, I would never replace Pop Tart. You found Pop Tart. It is by by bigger. I mean, it's like it doesn't actually fit under one arm. It's almost as big as you. Oh well, that's I'm a ghost. I don't yeah, care. You can still pick it up because it, it is it also made of shadow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's also true. It's just, yeah. Yeah. Look, ghosts have no rules, so fuck it. I'm gonna go in there and I'm gonna drive Billy out of there. Okay. Okay. You still don't know how to drive a tank. Oh, shit. Well, ghost tentacles. Oh, no. I'm going to crush Billy at that rate. I super can't do that. Oh, well. What's the well, best Well, as you check? were thinking it, that's already happening. Oh, no. And as you're thinking, oh, no, what if I crush him? Uh, roll to overcome. Oh, no. This is about to be the most fucking heartbreaking moment in this Let's Play. I hope everybody's ready. 
Oh my god, I got a 10, even with a plus zero. I really right. don't want to hurt Billy. So uh, as the tentacles rise up and wrap around, um, and you think, oh, I don't want to crush Billy, how that manifests is the tentacles, like, crush all the rugged, lug, the, the, all the wreckage around Billy. Oh my god. To free him. It just, like, crushes literally everything around Billy into a fucking one-by-one one perfect cube of metal. Yeah. Uh, oh, the bad, this bad is the most horrifying no thing. Oh my god. And Billy is free, along with all of their bees, intact and untouched. I'm just gonna, like, stand here for a good two minutes or so, I think, and just digest this. Yeah. There's a, a bunch of, like, bee? black marks where Billy was burning, but being a tank, they are mostly fireproof, so they're not really okay. harmed by it. Oh, that's good. They just have a bunch of cool black scorched metal now. Ooh, you guys are looking cool. What are all the bees' names? Let's find out right now. Just kidding. I'm going to get in the tank and drive it, like, to the edge of the gathering. I'm not going to drive it into the gathering because I didn't have that alcoholic fruit punch. Yeah. So you didn't, uh, you still don't know how to drive it, but as you're thinking, I will drive it. Like, the tentacles just kind of lift it up and it, like, carpets <laughs> along the ground. That's... I, I, I need, I, I'm going to start paying more attention when people are driving things. <laughs> and you just park the tank by a leviathan, I guess. Hello. 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 So, how's the party been? I don't know. I have been waiting here for it to start. Oh. I do not understand the purpose of this gathering. It takes me away from my cult, which I love. Here's some information about it. And hands me like 17 pamphlets. <laughs> he does actually have a pamphlet yeah, he hands you. Yeah, he does have a pamphlet. Of course he does. And it's like scaled to his size too, so it's absolutely massive. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I needed a blanket. Um... I don't think it's that big, but it definitely is, like, twice the size of a standard human It's, it's about the size of a Pop-Tart raincoat on me, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's a brochure about how he... about the, the dragon ruins that Leviathan is in charge of on the east end of the Wastes. And how a bunch of people go there to worship the dragons. Does it have, like, Welcome to Fabulous Leviathan written on the front? Yes. Er, er, okay, thank you. Thank Along you for indulging Thank you for indulging skeleton. me, as always, Gnome. Yes. Okay, let's see, so... Well, I guess I'll just kind of... have some more fruit punch until the dang party starts, I mean... <laughs> seems pretty good to me so far, I mean, it's a bunch of people... I mean, like, a good quarter of them seem to hate me, but that's a vast improvement over the, like, 75% or so ratio that I usually work with. I'm just checking quick. There is two halflings on our list that I that we that we know that we have not seen yet. Would either of them be at all curious about some fucking Yahoo driving a tank, quote unquote driving a tank? Yeah. Walking um, next to a tank as it floats an inch off the ground. There is a cherry blossom dryad named Autumn Rose. Oh, hello. My name is Rue Titania, recently deceased. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. It's... How are you? How, how, how are things? What are you, where are you from? How do you, how do you do? Did we decide where she was from, Shelly? I don't think we did that yet. Uh, no, we didn't, but I No, we just made her. Okay. I remember deciding she's a halfling of rebirth or something? Yeah, she's a halfling of rebirth, hence congratulations that you're died and now a ghost. Oh. <laughs> she's very proud of you and is excited for your new life. Oh, well, uh, thank you. I feel like Harvey probably greatly appreciates the energy, but at the same time is somewhat less enthused and is still trying to digest exactly what the fuck they're going to do about this. So you're sitting between Autumn Rose and Leviathan in the big circle of happenings now. Oh, good. It's, it's, it's nice to be included. You got a buddy on one side and a buddy on the other. Hooray. I have buddies. So, Autumn Rose, thank you very much for the congratulations. I am somewhat conflicted. I feel I sacrificed that body for my friends. Autumn Rose, I never liked my body. Well, I can't think of anything more noble to do with it. You're absolutely right. I was, however, in the process of 
adjusting my body with the help of the column C and their clericry and all that nonsense. It's... Autumn Rose, I don't think I'm ready to give up that body just yet. Hmm. Well, it could probably be salvaged if you want it back. Hmm. I'm a halfling of rebirth, Rue. I could try to rebuild it for you. Harvey, Rue, Titania is just sitting there, lost in thought, and gets that same slow, sly, grin, grimace. Maybe a little bit of a chuckle. <laughs> Thanks, Leviathan and Autumn Rose warmly. You're welcome, little one. Thank you for the pamphlet. <laughs> Visit any time! Oh, absolutely. And and I turn and I stalk away with a sly little smirk of sharp pointed teeth. And I climb in Billy and I just kind of lean back, rest my head in my hands, let the tentacles do the driving. And with one last chuckle, start driving off towards truly uncharted territory. Less than 15 minutes after Rue Titania leaves the gathering, Utopia arrives from the other direction. The dome of fog shrouding the event coalesces into a massive face, smiling and cherubic, looking down on her halflings from above. Hello, children, she says in her heavenly voice. It is time for the gathering once more. With your help, Apocalypse will be sealed away for another year, and the world will not burn away. But before we begin the ritual... At this, Utopia's face grows dark, and the Dome of Fog grows dark with her. Her many tentacles writhe in the depths of the fog, beyond sight, but not beyond sensation. I must tell you all of the traitor Pop-Tarts. They have broken every law of halfling nature. The penalty is sundering. A small gasp echoes through the assembled halflings. When you all next meet Pop-Tarts, they will be no more. 